Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, Caviar Dreamers. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Buputo. And every week we are bringing you entrepreneur real stories from leaders, disruptors, change makers, and risk takers. We may not be serious, but we seriously mean business. First of all, I'm super excited. Olga Parno from Mestini, owner, founder, creator. I'm so excited you're here because I know you a very long time from a very crazy way, right? I mean, we know each other. I, I call him, you know, he's my stepfather. He was my mother's boyfriend when I was young. And you know him really as your American family. Yes. Right? Who introduced us in some crazy way. But you moved here from, from Russia, right? How old were you all going when you moved here? So was, I, I was 18. I was 18. On, I actually uh, was working in Russia as a translator for about two years when I was in the university studying to become a translator. And I worked for a U.S. company. And that's how I met the employer who used to work with John and Lori. And that's how we met Margaret. And they invited me over for a summer just for a vacation. I was going to go to Egypt and have a good time. And it was that moment when I came to was New Jersey at that point. And I saw this skyline of New York. It was right before 9-11, June 2001. And I just fell in love. It's that just hunch that you have. You have to be here and whatever it takes, like it was a calling. I know June 2001, that was right before September 11th, yeah. which is which is crazy. It's crazy. And it's, it's so nuts because you know him as John. I know him as Wayne. Wayne, Wayne being my mother's boyfriend when I was a little girl, I grew up with him. And then he married Lori, who I adore. I consider her my stepmother. And it's so funny because I always called him Wayne. Yes. And I know. And you moved in with them and which was so great. They love you so much. And then and you live with them for how many years? I lived with them for a year. I'm so grateful. It was fabulous in, in a way that they taught me so many things just about the culture, how to get things done and just how to be successful, basically, what to look for. So I was lucky then that I moved to New York City early enough so that I could go to school, get a finance degree, and just get to work on Wall Street. That was my goal, and that's what I wanted to do at the time. So P.S., I was, you know, back with Wayne and Lori. They were living in Florida. We reconnected, and they're saying, you know, Olga, who, who used to live with us. She's so successful now. I think you would love her company. She started this amazing skincare company called Masktini. 
and you so graciously had sent us stuff a little while ago. And then now we reconnected and I'm looking at you and your skin is, is like unbelievable. When everybody sees this, they're going to be like, oh my God, her skin's magnificent. And I always say Eastern European women really are known for their skin as far as I'm concerned. They are known to have great skin. Yes. Don't you agree? I, I would say that. Um, <laughs> I would just say that in general. I think Latin cultures, Eastern European women, I think just about anybody, but those cultures for sure. I, I think we grew up with a lack of product, right? So when you grow up with a lack of products, whether it's skincare, cosmetics, and those services are not available to you, you look for those services, you look for those products, you start researching products from overseas and what women are doing in Hollywood. And I think coming from that perspective, my mom always told me, you have to, and I come also from a family of doctors, like you have to take care of yourself, you have to take care of your skin, it has to be perfect. So there was really no other way for me. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you go from Wall Street and and finance and the finance brain to creating Maskatini? So I would say, Margaret, it was not overnight. It took me nine years. So in 2009, a bunch of us were laid off because it was just a horrible time, right? On Wall Street, uh, we were closing, like people were being laid off. I was laid off also. I worked for Society General in uh, equity sales. So we worked with companies like L'Oreal, Burberry, all the European luxury companies. I always traveled with them, represented them in the U.S., and when we were laid off, I worked for boutique companies and investment, you know, person, research person. But I always stayed interested in skincare because I had so many problems with my old skin, working 13 hour days, traveling constantly, you know how it is. Yes, it's, of it's, course, of course. So it's hard to keep track of what time it is and where you are. And you want to make sure that as women, we're being judged on how we look, right? You walk into the room. We're being judged regardless. A guy can look so-so, but a woman has to look good. I know. And when I was traveling and my skin was just breaking out, I just wanted something that would be simple that I didn't need a prescription for. That's not going to imply 30 product in the morning and at night. So even at that time, when I was talking to my girlfriends who were doing the same thing, we wanted something that's going to be streamlined, simple, no side effects, really good ingredients that are effective and something that that would be pleasant to do in the morning and in the evening. So that was pretty simple. Yeah. And I, I will say Mastini is beyond pleasant as well as being amazing products. They smell so good. Nothing is worse to me. I got like a prescription-y type cream because I have rosacea and I put it on and not to be graphic, it smells like sperm. Ew. It's disgusting. Like nothing is worse than putting something on your face that doesn't smell good. And like I cannot live without Night Ranger and I cannot live without the mask also. They are like eight hours sleep in a bottle. I know. Lexi has been raving and I'm just going to be trying it. I haven't had a chance yet, which I'm super, super excited. I know the Night Ranger I'm very, very excited about. And the and the packaging's fabulous as well. So tell us about the line because you had to get the science behind it and, and you started to create it. So just tell us a little bit about the routine and how you, I know it was nine years in the making and you're really passionate about it. But with like, just for example, the Night Ranger, tell us what that does. So let me just address nine years in the making. That's not Night Ranger. That's actually one of our top products. But nine years in the making was just because I was going to all these expos, whether it was in Europe, whether it was in Russia, whether it was in Middle East. And I was trying to make connections and reestablish connections with manufacturers, distributors, marketing people, ingredient suppliers, and really figure out 
how the industry works, what the margins are, and how to also be different, how to offer something that's going to be different to the customer. Because let's be realistic, there are so many lines on the market and it's very hard to choose. And I think that the simpler you make it for the consumer to choose, the better it is for everybody. As far as Mouse Night Ranger, I always say, if you had a party, if you had a busy day, you have zero time or zero desire to take your makeup off, but you have to take it off. I always say, wash your face, put this on, you're golden. You're really, you're going to wake up in the morning, your face is going to look snatched. And this mask won Best Retinol Serum in Vogue a couple of times because of its texture. So take a look at that. It's really kind of like this jelly texture that we all love. It's not heavy at all. And it just goes in. By the time you get to your pillow, it's, it's already absorbed. And that's the beauty of it. And that I think that's what separates this night overnight renewal mask from others because it's just not sticky. Has retinol, has papaya bionable enzyme, so all the good stuff. Hyaluronic acid. It also contains lime pearl, which is an exfoliating acid of Australian single lime. And it looks so cute, actually. But it's also very good for your skin. So that's all in this one bottle. And I will say, I have the most sensitive skin and I have a million issues. And that's the one thing I can use with no issues. I like live for this. It's the best. Okay, this is what you need tonight. I am doing it because my skin is so tired after I take off my makeup. I've been using, I have not found a routine I love and Lexi has been swearing by it. So I'm super, super excited to use the Night Ranger. When it comes to routines, like what is the most important thing that people can do for their skin? Like, is it go for facials? Is it make sure you do extractions? Should you be using, like what should every woman be doing her skin every day? It's very simple. 70% is what you take in. You can ask any skincare founder, any, any business woman, they will say their line is the best. But at the end of the day, 70% is always what you put in. And let's be realistic. And the other 30, then there's your skincare that you do on a daily basis, the rituals that you do at home, because you have to take care of your skin at home. But I always say there should be an element of professional skincare. You have to go get a facial. You have to go see whoever you see for your Medi spa services, depending on your age or concerns. It's really, it's a combination of things. And then there's like medical and your hormonal balance or imbalance. But that can also impact how your skin feels at the moment. You're not a dermatologist, but you know so much about skin. You've done so much research. What about sun. You live in a warm climate now. (laughs) You're like, what about staying out of the sun? I think staying out of the sun is key. Um, Since I moved to California, I could just see every year, regardless of the sunblock, I use sunblock, whether it's sunny, whether it's gloomy, whether it's rainy, whether it's snowing, I don't care. I use sunblock all the time. And living in California, it it became very apparent because after every single summer, and, and just exposure by like driving or walking, even in the winter here, you get sun damage. You literally get spots that pop up and then you have to go get a laser treatment or a peel and put more sunblock on. So it's a very, I would say it's a situation where you have to wear hats, you have to wear sunblocks, you have to protect yourself somehow. I will say Marge Senior is a walking testament to that because she is like a vampire. Yes, she does not go in the yes, sun. Her did. hat could like literally shade a city block and the woman looks amazing. I know. <laughs> I unfortunately like the sun. 
Well, you have good skin. I have so decent you do skin. Have a good I advantage. do have decent skin. I do have decent skin. Now, let me ask you because listen, this is an entrepreneurial podcast, and I just want to say it. So, when you started this, were you like, "Oh my God, I'm going to self fund this. It's going to be hard." Were you just online? Like, let's talk about the business side of it because you wanted to come to market with a great product, but at the end of the day, it's also you wanted to be profitable, make money. So, were you just like, "Oh my God, I have to." fund this myself. Tell us a little bit about that. So for now, we're completely, I self-funded everything. And that's why that's a lot. That's a lot of work. And I think that's very Mm -hmm. hard. It's, it's a very different feeling when you have all skin in the game. I would say you can be in a very different situation and behave differently if it's somebody else's money. But when it's your money, it's an added pressure in a good way. Uh, because you get to start the company, you get to do things from the beginning that you want, that you think are necessary. And if you make mistakes, these are your own mistakes, not the mistakes of your partners or investors, right? But it's definitely challenging. It's stressful. And I hope that it's going to be very rewarding at the end. <laughs> no, no ab- absolutely. Of course, it's it's going to be very rewarding at the end. Now, I just I just want to ask you some questions. It's just like with your distribution, you obviously started online at first. How far has your distribution grown since you've started? You know, it's actually a good question because we started launched in 2019. Yes. So my strategy from the get go was actually not to go crazy direct to consumer. We started online. We got the press going. We got our Amazon distributors that were approved. And I wanted to make sure that our products were formulated for not just U.S. market, but for EU market and be compliant with the EU market because they have much stricter regulations Mm -hmm. over there. And so we made an extra step in terms of regulations and we invested in the formulas that they were compliant. But then we also got distribution in the Middle East. We got distribution in Eastern Europe. We got distribution in Europe. So then you get a lot more of that international distribution that helps you actually grow in the meantime in the U.S. Because U.S. market is very competitive. Let's let's be realistic. Yes. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of marketing dollars to stand out and to constantly feed into the influences, the the marketing on the meta platforms, etc. So that's how we do it. And I have a whole international team that just sources out distributors and picks out the best distributors in the regions for now. Okay, listen. That's so smart. That is so smart. And it's also very impressive. And I think that's also a different approach to what a lot of companies do to go international, which is is very, very smart to, to get your legs going that way. But it's also just the funding of it all. It is a little bit stressful and maintaining the integrity of your product. So do you warehouse internationally as well? Or are you warehouse in the United States? So we actually, we make all the products here in California, in Santa California. We have warehouse in Valencia, California, which is literally 25 minutes away. So I can get in the car and I can go and check out how my product is being stored, how everything is being fulfilled. But it's a great team. It's actually a warehouse from New Jersey and they work very well with Sephora, came highly recommended. So we connected with the Jersey people and then <laughs> they have, have a warehouse in Valencia. And so it's like, great, you know, I love these coast people. They get job done. So <laughs> that, that's how we connected. So we warehouse everything now here and we ship from here direct to consumer and also international distribution picks up from our warehouse in Valencia. 
Wow. I mean, so stuff ships all over the world yeah. from California. We've been talking a lot about that that marketing spend and how important that marketing spend is and how like figuring out like how many dollars you have to convert to get a sale, to get eyes on it. Is your marketing budget such a tremendous part of like your business or does your international distribution truly set that off? Not yet. We're there, but we're not. Well, it definitely covers the the marketing, but we, we, I would like to be a lot more profitable as we grow and as we convert the marketing here into actual sales more and more. But still, it's a very much growing business here in the U.S. And we invest everything we make overseas. We invest here. A lot of skincare lines and a lot of beauty products use a lot of influencers. How do you feel? What is your theory on using influencers to work with your products? I think it's great. We do have a marketing agency that actually does all that. We don't do it inside. We don't have a marketing team. So we kind of outsource. We have an advisor, but we outsource the marketing and we have a company that does it. So they pick out the influencers. I basically just give them guidance, you know, who we would want to have, who we would want to see use our products and represent our products. And then they work through their programs. I think it's Grant and some other programs that they look for influencers. And we try to do about 16 influencers per quarter. So that's that's pretty much how we do it. And who would be your dream brand ambassador? Dua Lipa. Oh, Dua yeah. Lipa. Yes, yes. So, that, yes. That, yes. Yes. I think you're absolutely. Yes. I think Dua Lipa would be amazing. Okay. Dua Lipa, if you're listening, the position is open. Wait. <laughs> yes, absolutely. At what age do you think young women and men should start using skincare, a, re a regimen like a mascotini? Great question. I think as soon as they feel they're ready. I would tell you my stepson is 15 and he's coming over to me. It's very interesting. He's coming over to me and he's saying, oh God, do you think these are wrinkles around my eye area? And I said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and I washed the eye cream and he said, you know, I would actually love to use it. And I said, of course, by, by all means. But it's interesting that we just got off the phone call with cosmetic executive women the day before. And the whole presentation was about Gen Z how they're so into anti-aging, how they're like focused on ingredients. They really unpack everything and they want to look younger and they want to take care of their skin since they're teens. I couldn't believe it until the very next day when my stepson came over to me with solutions for the wrinkles under eyes. <laughs> I mean, how much younger so, could Gen Z I, look? Embryos? Fetuses? I know, exactly. Like, where are so they going? Start, yeah, they're so young to start out with. If we have to start competing with 15-year-olds, I might as well just give it up and yeah, not even leave the house. Up. It's absolutely terrible. Wild. That's wild. And I feel like skincare, like your line is so empowering as a line. Like it's self-care. You know, that's actually such a scary thing to hear that people that are so young are worried about it as opposed to like investing in the self-care portion of it. I know. It's absolutely true. How do you feel about, I mean, listen, obviously there's all different beauty things. People are Botoxing. They're doing fillers. How do you feel about the fillers? Because I am not a big proponent of a lot of fillers. I, I don't love that look. I feel like people look very cabbage patchy. Obviously, I love a good plastic surgeon. I'm not going to deny that. But you have to keep up the plastic surgery. Yes. Keep and maintain it with your skincare. The answer is no. I, I think you can maintain the quality of your skin with skincare. 
So for example, skin can look a certain way. It can look aligned. It could look, even if you have wrinkles, it could still look that, that you'd, and you could see a woman or a man or a teenager or who takes care of their skin. It's just, it looks polished. It looks nourished. It looks, you know, blowy, dewy, all those things. But I think there's a big difference, Margaret, between anti-aging and obviously procedures, whether it's injectables or it's plastic surgery or whether it's skincare. I think these are totally different things. I am open and honest in terms of my approach to injectables, plastic surgery, et cetera. I think it's perfect and beautiful when it's done well. Yes, and I yes. think what's happening right now, a lot of the times you can almost tell who did the surgery because, or who did the fillers because everybody looks the same. Yes, it's and I, true. And I think that's the goal. You have to look yourself up. Whatever you do, you have to look yourself. And when a specialist, a plastic surgeon or an inject, a person who injects, they have to know your face and they have to stay true to what you look like, right? Yes, It absolutely. has to be simple. Yeah, I don't like this homogenous look that everybody is doing. For a while, it was everybody wants to look like Kim Kardashian. Yeah. So everybody I know in America is looking like mini Kim Kardashian. Well, it was terrifying when I went home to England, actually, because I stepped off the plane and it was like Love Island, UK live. Everyone had huge lips, veneers from Turkey and heavily microbladed brows and tremendous cheek fillers. And it was like such a bizarre thing because I'm walking through like quiet towns and quiet country villages and people literally look like they're coming at you from like in Love Island. It's bizarre to me. Yes, I, I agree. And, I, and I'm with you all go to the fact is, and I do want to say that to anybody who's listening, skincare is different than plastic surgery because people say to me, oh, Margaret, you know, they'll comment on my skin on Instagram or something like that. And they'll say, well, of course she doesn't because she, you know, a plastic surgery. Plastic surgery doesn't fix your skin. It doesn't fix the quality of your skin. People don't understand that. It might pull it a little tighter that they cut the muscles underneath to lift it up. Plastic surgery fixes the sagging. It cannot fix the quality of your skin. It's the skincare that fixes the quality of your skin and maintaining yeah. that. And I think that's what people don't realize. What do you think is the most important ingredients that must be in your skincare and your skincare, of course, Mescatini, that, that makes the difference, that really is a game changer? Well, right now there's so many ingredients. And like I said, we try to bring ingredients from all over the world. That's the goal. But I think as far as important ingredients for anti-aging, gosh, there's so many, but obviously retinol, obviously you want to have antioxidants, whether it's vitamin C, there are different forms of vitamin C. They're more stable, like BVOSC. They're costing a lot more for us, for example, to put in. And that's what we put in the gold mask, by the way. It's super stable. It's like the best for of it, but you also want to have exfoliating acids. That's the, your quality, right? That's how your skin looks. You want to exfoliate. So whether it's like, I love alpha hydroxy acid because at my age, I don't need so much salicylic to really, you know, prevent acne. I want that exfoliation, but at the same time, hydration and dewiness. And that's what alpha hydroxy acids are doing, right? The lion curl, the glycolic, the lactic, the mandalic, and I think peptides. Our new cream, Hush Money, for the face, it's packed with, I think it's like we have 12 or 13 actives, but it's packed with a vitamin complex. There's a ton of peptides. There is a ton of lifting ingredients. So this is really like a facelift in a bottle. You should definitely try it. The name yeah. alone, I love a little 
Wow. <laughs> hush money. Who needs a little hush money? It's really Everybody. you're not, not going to have to pay any <laughs> hush money after you use this. It's really good. I you sent it to me and I tried it and it's so good. I know. Well, listen, I need to be using something because listen, I will be honest. I've never like stuck to one thing. So I was so excited when we got this package, but I have to just get on the routine. I've had a rough few weeks. You know, it's funny because I'm a bit of a slut when it comes to skincare and I'll go with trends and I'll try different things and people will send me things. But there's certain things that always stay in my my rotation. There's go-tos for emergencies. And I will say like Mastini stays in my rotation for emergencies. But skincare is such like a trend thing. Like I feel like when I was growing up, dewy skin wasn't such a thing. People wanted that powdery matte face look. And now that natural glowy skin is like such a hot trend. If you have like red, flushy, rosacea, terrible skin like me, how do you achieve that with, you know, without like a ton of makeup? That's what's hard. Like, how do we get good skin? Well, rosacea on its own, it's it's a condition, right? So it's something that you probably want to explore some prescription and talk to a dermatologist. So I wouldn't claim that just a skincare line over the counter will be a rosacea treatment. But I think rosacea is part of that sensitized inflammation condition, right? And I see, for example, on myself, if I overuse some chemical peel, my skin is super sensitized, sensitive, and like I just like see it, it's like burning and it's getting red a little bit. So I think using products that are good for sensitive skin, that don't have, for example, perfume, when you mentioned, Alexi, the smell in Night Ranger, we don't use perfumes. It's all aphrodisiacs of essential oil. And it's only at 0.025% just to kill that smell of vitamin C or peptide, like the, the retinols that when you go to bed, your husband or boyfriend says, what's on your face? Yeah. And you just paid five, $700 for it. We don't use any human or animal byproduct. I think it's important. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to react to it one way or the other. So if we can just eliminate harsh preservatives, the perfumes, the dyes, all the crap out of the line, I think it's your skin is going to feel much better. Do you see a difference in living on the West Coast now that women take care of themselves West Coast versus East Coast? Yeah, there's a lot. Well, first of all, when I moved, my wardrobe changed. I realized that all... Everything had to go. I had to like change my wardrobe. That's A. B, it's a lot more focused on the image that you have. So if you have perfect skin, you have to have perfect body, you have to work out. I think New York is more about your inside. You know, people are actually interested in what you do, what you think. I think West Coast is very much your appearance. Which is fine. I think, unfortunately or fortunately in this world, we we have to keep up with appearances. And that's how people perceive us. We feel better about ourselves. We show up better to the world. I get it. It's work, but it's important. So, but West Coast is definitely a lot more focused on appearances. Wow. People Mm. are more, well, I mean, listen, West Coast, a little more Hollywood, a little more shallow, a little bit, because it's also better weather. You're undressed more. Yeah, it's true. But I feel like West Coast isn't as formal. People don't look as, right? Their clothes aren't as formal. I think maybe because you're more naked. It's a little more laid back, no? I think the clothes is... is They're beautiful, but not as dressy. But you know what, Morgan? I think it's not formal, but it's for a reason not formal. It's almost like you try to dress, not be formal. 
Yeah, if it makes more laid back chic. Exactly. So that's the only difference. I always feel like West Coast feels holistic and New York East Coast feels like a scream in medical emergency. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I uh, Listen, I'm now. going to be honest. I've been, I've stayed in Malibu. I very hard to get bacon. Ooh, very yeah. hard to get real bacon. It was a, it was a turkey bacon situation. <laughs> and that, yeah. that was a little rough for me. I'm not going to lie. My, my son not wanted easy bacon. to get a bacon, egg and cheese. No bacon, egg and cheese. It was mm-hmm. turkey bacon. We're like, what's going on here? Yeah. No, I, I agree with you, but I think that's a that's a good thing in moderation. I'm a big proponent of just like everything in moderation, but definitely West Coast is more, you know, healthy drinks, smoothies, working out, surfing. I, I Like I said, everything in moderation. And I think it's wonderful once in a while to have food that you want to have and not just be so worried about it. Yes. Now tell me, when you have your friends come over or... Or acquaintances, are you like looking at their skin and saying like, wow, she looks like shit. I, I got to <laughs> fix that skin or she's been eating crappy or that's a smoker. Do, do you look at people's skin and be like, you know, they need they need help. They need my mask teeny or, or are you not judgmental of other people's skin? You could be honest with us. I don't think I'm a judgmental person in general, but if I see something that I could approve, I would probably not say it like, oh, your skin looks like shit. I would no, no, no. <laughs> wonderful product for you. <laughs> I have a wonderful product for you. Now, does your husband, does does he use Mascini as well? Yes, he does. So when I met him, he never used skincare in his life. Just sort of not that kind of a guy. But uh, there are certain products that even guys love in Mascini. And I can tell you one thing. He uses Woke Bay. This is our moisture spritz has brainstorm and aquacell technology, which is like marine isomers and apple and watermelon extract. And it's, so it's like very boosting, very plumping, post shave, amazing. This is your daily moisture. So they can do the shaving in the morning, then spritz that. It's very easy. And then put their sunscreen and they're out the door. Yes. See, I have a very hard time with my husband. He's very dry. He he doesn't like any kind of moisturizer. God forbid you should even try and put like you know, a little bit of wax in his hair, he runs away. Yeah, if I put any, you know, I try and put moisture on his arms because his skin's starting to look a little crepey. He goes absolutely yeah. berserk. Yeah, he's very misbehaving. He's not yes, a metro he's man. Not, yeah, he's there's nothing metro about him. And I told him, I said, you know, I take very good care of myself. You should really, I mean, the guy did get his eye bags done, thank the Lord. Thankfully. But, you know, it's very hard for me to put any creams on him, but I think it's very important. So that's what we should try and put on him. Yeah. So try this in the morning for him. And then at night, just tell him to wash his face and do the Night Ranger. Maybe I I could just get him to do the Night Ranger because then he doesn't have to leave the house. I'm going to I might start with the Night Ranger. Yeah, that could be an easy one. The Night Ranger. He'll start seeing the difference immediately the next day. And then in a week, he'll he'll see the difference. And I think he'll be very grateful. Okay, I think that's super, super important that we could get him going. You also have something very exciting. Mastini has made it into the, I heard, the Academy Award bags. Yes, we've been in the bags. Was it last year? We've been in the bags, I think, last year. This year, we haven't. So I know, but last, last year, year, that's a big deal that you were in the deal. Academy Award bags. Was that an amazing thing for you? That Did people reach out? I mean, was that just amazing press? Well, we have, you know, we have to have PR agency. So I was working with a PR agency. We started working with PR agencies from the launch. But this was something that we were obviously selected with certain products. We didn't put the whole line. There were certain yes, products, of course, with the Academy based on just, you know, 
what the the demand would be and the average skincare type or or you know what would they want to have but we were in the bags and and we also have just like a ton of press from like Ultra Daily we rated best product with I think Metal Heads best brightening mouth we did it several times Women's Health then I was on Good Morning America which was like <laughs> super stressful that was my first experience. <laughs> But then we did, uh, we did several channels and obviously the, like the magazines, et cetera. So they just like started flowing once people get to know the line. And I think it's very important to also not just have the PR agency, but also to have a good product. Because when you do a press tour, like I did in New York on the Mark Hotel and, you know, all the editors, they come over and, you know, they try the product, they write about the product or they've written about the product in the past. You, you just want them to really like it because when they like the product, they will write about it more. So it, it becomes not so much just like a regular PR, but you sort of build those relationships with editors. I think I'm, I'm not doing that, to be honest with you. Yes, that's, I think that's the fun part of the business to have the editors try it. And then when you see them like the product and write something about it. I know when we were first in business, we used to love to do that meet the editors and and do great things like that. Didn't you love that? Oh, that's the most exciting part. It's when someone loves your product. And like we just launched Soiree and someone, you know, the orders just started to drop and people were saying how much they loved it and they really loved the taste. And the feedback is what keeps you going, right? Yes, exactly. It gets you, I think, through the tougher times. You know, everybody who comes on the podcast, we ask them, what was your big girl panty moment where you're like, oh my God, this is my sink or swim moment with Mask Teeny. If I don't do this, I'm not going to make it. Or just like you got scared or, you know, like, oh my God, how did this happen? Or your big girl pants. I got to pull my big girl panties. Early on, uh, Margaret. So when I first launched it, I had consultants. So I had two or three consultants because I felt that I'd I was not coming from a beauty industry initially. I was not trained. I didn't work at Chanel Dior or, you know, Lancome. I was not an executive. So I felt that I needed guidance. And after three months of their guiding me on how to do things, you know, pre-launch, because yes. there's a lot of work on pre-launch and then you plan the launch, et cetera. I realized that it was going so against of what I was planning to do. And the commission, you know, their retainers were just like ramping up, ramping up, ramping up. And the feedback and the, there was not enough action for what they were paid. And we were not in alignment. We were not in alignment of how this was going to go. And I appreciate the advice, but I'm not stupid. I realized that there were, you know, margins, you know, cut here, cut there, then cut to the consultant's back. So I basically said, you know what? I maybe not, you know, so versed on the skincare business. Maybe I'm not as good as a consultant. And that was my moment to just say, either I go on my own and I do everything from A to C on my own. I negotiate my own contracts. I look for my own ingredient suppliers. I pull my relationships, you know, we pull people together. Who is good to work with, you know, and, and I just started doing that. But I was so scared to let go of that having the consultants because I thought I would either fail or we're going to stop. So, but that was my big, big girl moment for, for sure. No, you know, it's so funny you say that because we had the same thing. We just started this company and we had a consultant as well. And I was like, I would always say, Lexi, I, I go, are they kidding me? Are they kidding? I'm yeah. paying him for this, you know? And I was just like, 
well, maybe I don't know what I'm doing because we knew nothing about the beverage industry as well. And I think sometimes because we don't come from that industry, I think we doubt ourselves. Yeah, you second guess yourself when truly like gut instinct is a lot. And, you know, no one's going to work harder or research more than you, yourself. But that's it. You put your trust into people because you think that they could deliver. And it's not always the case. And I think, obviously, if we're all pretty smart women, if we've all fallen foul to that in our business, obviously, this happens way more. Yeah, it happens way more. And and I think sometimes as women, we doubt ourselves because we don't come from that industry. But I think that's that's a big thing that, you know, that people could learn from that. Like you don't, don't doubt yourself just because you haven't done it before. It's great to get advice from other people, but if you see the cost is becoming absolutely insane, which also happened to us. Yeah. It's not worth it. Move on. Yes. We also ask people about their personality percentages. So we accredit Margaret's success to 50% delusion and 50% determination. How would you feel your personality like stacks up? You have to be a little bit delusional. You have to be so convinced in your idea and almost like have blinders. That's what I think. And that's what's going to happen. And there might be people who might be saying to you, you're crazy. This will never work. But you have to believe. And if you believe, people will go after. Like people will join you on your journey and things will start happening. But you have to be a little bit delusional for sure. Yeah, good. I love that you understood that question. Some people don't understand. They're like delusional. I'm not delusional. I'm like, you are. If you have your own yeah. business, you are delusional. And since this is an entrepreneurial podcast, we always say, what is your most entrepreneur real advice that you could give to somebody starting their own business, thinking of starting their own business, not like business plan and stuff like that, just real nitty gritty advice. I think the most important advice, be ready to really work hard and put everything on the line. It depends. Again, there are two scenarios. You have money backing you up from the get-go, and then you have completely self-funded situation. So if you're self-funded, you need to be so shrewd and so smart about how you're going to spend your money, how you're going to grow your business. And I think what people you're going to hire, because it's not just you being this amazing entrepreneur. For me, to be honest with you, it's my team. Like whatever I've done so far, I think it's my team. So I think you have to be very good at selecting who you're going to work with and who you're going to, you know, make part of your team. And you have to look for, you know, other delusional people, to be honest with you, because we all have to be delusional in startups. I feel that's so true. So true. You are like a breath of fresh air, beautiful, a delight, successful. I love Maskatini. Tell everybody where they could find you. Maskatini.com is the best bet. We've upgraded the website. Maskatini.com, five days and you will get your product. Yes. And it's on, on Instagram as well. On Instagram, on TikTok. At Maskatini, right? It's at Maskatini. I have one quick shady question before we go, because you're a skincare expert. Most overrated skincare product? Ah, most overrated. I think, I don't want to name names. Oh, (laughs) okay, come on, come on. I have an idea in my head. I think if I hear hear somebody using La Mer. That's what I was going to say. I know, it's a little crazy. I know, La Mer got, I mean, listen, they had a lot of traction. A lot of, no, it's funny. Someone else said that to me this week. Like, are you nuts? That's the most overrated product on the market. I'm in, I was interested to see if you felt the same. I know, tell people like your price points. I mean, this is still affordable. It's affordable. It's affordable luxury for sure. 
That's uh, great. Because our cheapest product is 65 bucks. Our most expensive product is 120 but yeah, and, that's, I, and that's a luxury skincare line that's still affordable. Yes. That's still affordable. Margaret, we have made this cream five or $600. Yes. But then I would allow women with, you know, not an oversized skincare budget to buy my line. So I wanted it to be more inclusive and more available. And I'm happy to make it $120 and let more women experience and, and people in general experience the line. I know. Well, I'm so excited for everybody to use Mastini. I'm going home, washing my makeup off that I've been in all damn day. All Put day. on my Night Ranger. I'm well, gonna, you're 12 hours in that makeup. I'm no, 12 hours you're in this over. makeup. You're 14 hours in 14 that makeup. Hours. I'm going to put Night Ranger on Joe as well. I want to glow like you, Olga, because you are <laughs> glowing. I'm a little jealous. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. No, you can walk. And next, you should, you should definitely, Margaret, you should definitely use Side Eye. That's oh, an amazing. Yeah. It's going to be so cooling on your eyes. You're going to love it. I'm Should sure I use side eye at night when I give people the side in the morning, eye? In the morning and at night. Morning and okay. night because I give people a lot of side you eye. give a lot of side eye. And the eye. names are fantastic, everybody. The names are fantastic. I like hush money. I love a little side eye. I live for night range. And night range. That's my homie. Thank you so much, Olga. Thank you so, so much. Of course. Anytime. Thanks for listening. And if you love the podcast, don't forget to leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Follow me at The Real Margaret Josephs. And me at The Life of Mrs. B. And the podcast at Caviar Dreams Tuna Fish Budget. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes. Keep, Keep dreaming, dreaming, Caviar Dreamers! dreamers.